1: fifteenth, two thousand seventeen edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host this week, Jeff Matson. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Matson RV. Jeremy Hart wanted to be here today, but he has David Johnson and Alan Robinson on his fantasy team. He's been locked in the bathroom sobbing all week. Frankly, we're all starting to get a bit worried for him. Today, I have a great guest, the recently named head of analytics at Rotoviz.com. He's the co-host of the Numbers Game podcast and the proprietor of AirYards.com. Josh Hermsmeyer on Twitter at Frisco Josh.
2: Jeff, thanks for having me. Hey, look, and, and, and look I understand why someone might be crying in a corner for having David Johnson. And, and look, I was on Twitter and I said, hey, you know, everyone, is it too soon to post my 0RB article? But look, here's the thing. I have, I have
0: – Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sixteen
2: with David Johnson. I am absolutely devastated. He was going to be my wide receiver forty for the year as a running back, right? Yeah, so look, I'm as devastated as anyone. David Johnson being down is a huge deal for me. But at the same time, we had to expect it, right? I mean, look, you planned for this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I feel like with the David Johnson thing, it's like if you got the first pick in your draft, that's who you got. So every draft had a number one overall pick and ninety percent of them have David Johnson. So it just you know, it's just kind of luck of the draw, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would go a little different. I, I think I did 30% David Johnson with my number one pick, and the rest were uh, Beckham or uh, Antonio Brown. And and this was something I railed against at the beginning of the year, which was that, like, I think there was this take lock that, like, of course it has to be Bell or Johnson or Zeke at the top in the first three. And I thought, no, that's that can't be true, right? Just because of the injury risk, you need to spread out, even if you have the first, second, or third pick, you need to spread out your risk. You need to spread out um, who you're taking at that position. And and really, the take clock was pretty incredible to me. So anyway, uh, but I agree with you. If you wanted exposure to David Johnson, if you wanted exposure to Le'Veon Bell, you had to, at some point during the offseason, take him at one or two. Because that's where he was going. Uh, and now you're, I mean, you're not feeling good, just like I'm not.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been tough, but luckily, true to true to zero RB, we'll, we'll get into this later. But you know, there there have been those guys, you know, those undrafted guys that are coming out that are in significant roles already. So, um, you know, when we talk about antifragility and zero RB, you know, here it is. It's only week one, and we've already seen a number of these guys, uh, a lot of waiver wire ads this week that are that are definitely startable running backs.
2: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I think, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt especially, and we're going to talk about him later, and and there's others. Devonta Foreman tonight, uh, we're recording on a Thursday night. He looked pretty good, and uh, I think he may have a solid chance of taking over for Lamar Miller, who I think, honestly, Jeff, is one of the absolute worst high-volume running backs in the league. So I think think there's, you know, Kamara, I mean, there's a ton of guys who early in the season who zero running back aficionados rostered who are going to be probably pretty good contributors this year. So anyway, I'm excited about that, but I am, you know, full stop. David Johnson being injured until Christmas is horrible. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, that's really bad. I, I, this is my first, I've been doing fantasy football a long time, but this is my first year really diving into doing the podcasting and the writing and, and, and the industry. Uh, aspects of it, and I'm kind of shocked a little bit by, you know, I spent the last six months doing all these models and all this analysis and all this research, and uh, it seems kind of funny that, you know, we got some really kind of out there results week one, and then it seems like immediately everyone just throws all of that out the window. It's brutal. uh, It is brutal. It's pretty crazy, yeah. All right, so Josh, this is a a mailbag pod. Um, I've got some fun stuff lined up for us today. Uh, I got some questions. I got a lot of questions from listeners. Um, A lot of questions I got had to do with the sort of, hey, you know, this guy blew up or this guy didn't do very good. You know, should I freak out? Should I be excited? Um, So I thought we'd play a game called Variance or Trend, and we'll kind of go through those kind of in a lightning round kind of way. It's sort of like a way for me to take a whole bunch of mailbag questions and just kind of round them all up into one. Um, And then I got some other fun stuff lined up for us. Uh, We'll do some games and things like that um that uh, that uh, Jeremy likes to do. Uh but before we get into all of that, uh I didn't want to miss the opportunity uh, while I have you here. Uh you've recently introduced a new tool, the DraftKings GPP Profiler, uh, and I wanted you to maybe walk us through that a little bit.
2: Sure. So, I mean, I mean so the idea behind it is it really starts with the idea that projecting players on a week-to-week basis is folly, right? so the idea is like uh what is going to happen next week uh who who knows right nfi no idea and so what's the best way of trying to understand especially for things like guaranteed prize pool tournament, tournaments it, 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 you know what do you do what how, what's the right way to approach the uh, uh the problem and and for me it's let's look at upside and I think that most people who've looked at the problem have come to the same conclusion and but the problem is that I think that most of the folks who have uh, said yeah it's upside that matters have also said well let's look at median floor and uh, upside projections in terms of 75 percentile median and 25 percentile projections and and so for me I say, no, that's, that, that's probably not the right way to approach the problem. I think we need to look at the actual distribution. We need to look at what do players do? What is the actual range of outcomes that a specific player does given a specific set of variables? And so uh, you mentioned airyards.com and the GPP profiler, and that's what it does. It gives you a histogram. Excuse me. gives you a histogram that shows you exactly what a player does given a set of variables like where they home or away um what is your value target are you looking at 3x plus 6 are you looking at the millimaker average are you looking at looking at hitting a team total of 200 or 220 all of that's customizable and when you when you set those the, those value targets you can get a probability of them hitting over that target, and that's your upside percentage. And so, boiling it all down, when it comes to GPPs, when it comes to these tournaments where you're not likely to win, um, the only thing that matters is upside. You want to know what the probability of the upside is, so you can compare it to the field ownership. And and I, I really think, and, and Jeff, you can maybe speak to this. I don't know how much uh, DFS you do, but like. For me, that's the essential calculation, right? It's like if a guy is owned at eight percent and he has an upside percentage of twenty, I mean, right? You want to own more of him in the field, right?
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I was listening this week about how it's not necessarily. I mean, obviously, cash games are different, but with but with GPPs, it's like in games that the player does well. Obviously, they're games where they exceeded, you know, the the over. And it doesn't necessarily matter what the implied point total was for the game so much as they just grossly exceeded that. So like Kareem Hunt this week would be an example where he just blew up any kind of projections. No one would have predict- predicted he had the game that he had, um, but it just kind of happened, right? And so I guess if you're saying that like there are some players that like Ajayi, that Ajayi ha- that are prone to these large games, then they might be good picks where there's a possibility that they would just blow up and win you, oh. those kind of tournaments.
2: Yeah, for sure. But it's not just the low probability plays that you can measure when you look at a histogram. You can also say for guys like Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, you can say, hey, look, given a, a certain set of circumstances, how often does he exceed value on a like what is what is Brees this uh, this week? I think he's like seventy seven hundred. And, and the answer is given X set of probabilities, he's either he exceeds value 10% of the time or 20% of the time. And, and at the end of the day is what you have to, what you have to say is that, do I want to own him 10%, 20%, whatever, how much do I want to own a breeze this, this week compared to the field? And, and, and I think that's what, that's what looking at an actual distribution of outcomes helps you do rather than projecting an actual point total, because when you're when you're trying to say what's going to happen in the week following um, in the NFL, there's so much variance. Uh, I think if you look at anyone who's done uh, projections week to week, uh, I think the R squared is something around .05. 0.05. It's like five percent variance explained. Um, there's really no way to predict week to week what's going to happen. And so what you really want to just focus on especially in GPPs in these tournaments where you can win at all, you want to focus on the guys who can give you the highest upside and, and anyway, that's what the uh, GPP Draft Kings upside profiler does for you.
1: Cool and that's uh, where's that available?
2: That is on airyards.com and you go to DFS and GPP uh, upside profiler.
1: Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. It sounds like a way to win some money and I like money.
2: Yeah, and and if it's confusing and if I have not explained it correctly, I did some videos for Roster Coach which kind of explained it in a lot more detail. So you might check them out as well.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Well, why don't I uh, take this opportunity to remind everyone that they can get a listeners-only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage. Just go to dot com slash podcast, and you can get access to all of the roto unlimited content, premium NFL content, and it supports the pod. Uh, also if you can go to iTunes or your podcast uh, location of choice and put in a a, a review that does this a solid uh, please use the rating Uh, and also if you have any questions that you'd like answered here on the mailbag show uh, you can email them to us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and uh, we'll get those answered for you on the air. All right Josh so I wanted to do this game of I call it variance or trend, and and, and this is a way to kind of group together a bunch of questions. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt had this amazing game. Is this something we're going to expect every week, uh, or is it a fluke? So uh, the way that I kind of envision the game working is kind of, I've got some questions here, uh, and then uh, maybe we can talk about whether we think it was just a week one kind of anomaly, kind of an outlier, uh, or if we think that there's something there that, that we might also see going forward.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and look, I'm here with you to kind of work this through. I have I have one guess and I'm 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 super keen to hear your guess as well. All
1: right, so so let's start with Kareem Hunt. Uh the biggest rookie debut in history. This kid, you know, we knew that uh he'd be coming in for Spencer Ware. Uh we knew that he had some explosion, uh but no one <laughs> saw him <laughs> lighting up New England no. the way that he did. Um so, I mean, is this guy the real deal? Is this guy uh um you know, a, a, an RB1 contender?
2: Well, I mean, that's so hard to say, but but at the same time, how often does a player come in and have the absolute very best rookie running back debut in the history of the NFL? I mean, that has to count for something, right? And, and I, I guess all I would say is that I am skeptical of um, prospect evaluations that say that folks that are slow, quote-unquote, or have slow 40 times or don't test out well in the measurables, but test well in all the rest of the things, including grades, broken tackles, all the rest in college. So, for instance, Cream Hunt broke more tackles than anyone in college football except for Dalvin Cook. And among the rookie running backs who performed well in week one, who were the two top rookie running backs to remind you,
1: yeah. I mean, Hunt had a great game for not had a good game. Uh, Cooks had a great game. Yeah. Those are the two. I mean,
2: yeah. So, so it was, it was Cooks and, and Hunt that had the, they were the two with the most broken tackles. And I think when you get to the NFL, I think what happens is that, you know, your, your speed, your athleticism ceases to matter as much, you know what I mean? And, and so really the, the technique and the skill is the vision. And, and then of course your offensive line and all the rest of the confounding variables. But at the end of the day, The things that the running back controls are how often can you break a tackle? How elusive can you be? And uh, Cream Hunt and Dalvin Dalvin Cook were both very, very good in college at that. And in their first week in the NFL, they both returned to value. So I think that uh, that is something we could probably hang our hat on moving forward. I love Cream Hunt. I do not think this is noise. I do not think this is variance. I'm all about Cream
1: Hunt. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think it was clear that New England came in wanting to stop Travis Kelsey, and I think they were successful in that. And I don't think they necessarily saw Kareem Hunt and and, and Tyreek Hill also. Um, I'm kind of excited for Kansas City. I think that uh, what we saw out of Hill and uh, Hunt both um, really – well, and Alex Smith um, really kind of uh, – it should be more of an explosive team than uh, I'm used to seeing out of uh, Kansas city.
2: I mean, uh, it remains to be seen with Alex Smith. I, I, I'm, I'll be the first person to say that a dot or the depth of target that a quarterback passes to is far more reliant on his weapons than the quarterback himself. But it's always been the case that (laughs) it's like (laughs) Alex Smith is the exception to the rule, right? He's just, he will always check down, it seems. But look, and, and 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 Kevin Cole has shown that in this past week, he actually didn't pass deep more than he has uh, done uh, historically by average. But I do think he has weapons now that he didn't have before, and uh, and I think that uh, you know moving forward, it's good it's good news for Alex Smith. I think he's a guy that you should uh, consider picking up if you haven't already in your uh, waiver wires.
1: Well, I'm really excited about the explosion that both of those carry. You know, uh, it, you know, he he would go deep, but he'd go deep to Macklin, and Macklin would just kind of, you know, just kind of catch it and fall down. But uh, I think Hill gives him that extra yards after catch that uh, um, can lead to those big plays that uh, that might make, you know, Smith a lot more valuable than uh, maybe I'd valued him before in the preseason. Yeah, for
3: sure.
1: All right, so let's talk New England in that that same game. Uh, We had Mike Gillisley and James White. uh, Both got an equal number of touches. Gillisley had 15 carries. White had 10 carries, but also five targets. Um, Obviously, with New England, you know, there's a lot going on there. Uh, But uh, do you think that's kind of maybe a trend that maybe this field of five is maybe closer to a field of two? Or, you know, maybe there's going to be some Burkhead kind of peppered in there. But uh, do you think it's Gillisley and White kind of splitting it?
2: And that's a tough one. I think that if, like for instance, in the upcoming game, if Hogan is the guy who gets the slot snaps, that he's the guy from here on out, right? If he if he takes over for Amendola, who I think not only had a concussion but also a knee injury, I mean the guy is he's dust, and and and, and so they're going to need someone to replace him. And the question is, like, who are they thinking preseason? of being the guy who's going to be taking those intermediate and short, shallow slot routes. And it certainly didn't seem like Hogan, right? I mean, what, what, what's your take on this? You watch the game, same as me. It, it just, it's, it's very strange to me. Like, I, I want to believe it's Hogan. And if it is, he's a huge buy and he's the guy, right? Coming up like he is going to be the guy. Um, because he's 7'11", he gets open. But at the same time, I'm, I'm totally unsure that he is going to be the guy they deploy at those short and medium depths, it could so easily be white or someone else we haven't even considered entirely, like maybe even Burkhead, who knows. And uh, I just did a uh, an air yards model uh, by low and Burkhead was my number eight by low based on his total volume um, and based on his position. And, and, and I think uh, that kind of points to the idea that there's a huge unknown with this New England backfield There's a huge unknown with their offense in general. Um, no one's not. No one's quite sure what they're going to do, and and I would love to hear your thoughts on on how they're going to deploy their weapons.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really eager because I really want to try to f- catch a trend because you know this is going to be such an explosive offense. I really want a piece of it, and I'm really trying to analyze the tape and try to you know try to see what's going to happen there. But I don't know if I don't know if even Bill Belichick knows yet. I mean, you know, the, the, this new shortened preseason, it just kind of they didn't really figure it out. They got a lot of new weapons there, a lot of new faces. They had the last-minute injury to Edelman. And, um, I, you know, I think they tried out a lot of different things. We saw – it. maybe I'm just not used to watching New England as much, but I, I just saw a lot that was just confusing. I mean – But I don't if know we guys... agree
2: that Cooks is not going to be the middle intermediate guy, right? Like the short intermediate. I mean, he, he's the deep guy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he you know, he was still getting those deep passes. I mean, I think that if uh, – if, um, if Kareem Hunt didn't have the amazing day he did, I mean, Cooks didn't have a bad day. He, he got what, like 85 yards or something. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he had a decent day. I, I see what you're saying. He's not the Edelman role. Like he's not going to be the, the, the Brady, the, the, cause, cause that's what they do. Brady likes to kind of just take what he can get, uh, along the sidelines and they need that intermediate threat. And, um, whoever that ends up being, if it ends up being uh,
2: – Hogan or White or, yeah, whoever. I,
1: I think I, – I, and I also think that New England didn't figure it out. You know, they had kind of a, a bad game, and um, we'll see – you know, it might take them a game or two to – I don't think that what we saw out of New England is what we're going to see the rest of the year. So right. um, they'll, they'll find something. they Bill, will just keep trying stuff until something sticks, and then at that point I might jump on a, a, someone to pick up.
2: But will it be too late?
1: <laughs> well, that's always the question, right? But then if people are spending free agent budget now on people like Burkett and Hogan, and then it turns out not to be one of those two, you know, um, I'm seeing like people dropping white, like to pick up other people, you know? So I don't know. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to, if I, I didn't draft a lot of Patriots for that reason. Cause I knew there'd be a lot of uncertainty there. And I'm slow to pick them up, slow to drop them. If I have one on my team, I'll I'll kind of wait it out. Um, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, at, at the end of the day, that is the absolute optimal strategy. I don't disagree at all.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I'm going with that. All right, so let's go to Indianapolis, the Colts. Obviously, Andrew Luck was out. Scott Tolzien was just, just terrible. Um, the Rams got not one but two pick-six touchdowns. Um, they finally pulled him and put in Jacoby Brissett, but he wasn't able to do much either. He gave up a safety, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that like Andrew Luck is going to just come back in and, and just magically solve this mess. But <laughs> are, are the Colts a bad football team?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, like, like, like they're, they're really bad. And, and like, and I don't, and I'm not saying that in a, in a mean way. I'm not saying that in a. Uh, I think I think it's fairly objective. Like they were they were horrible. Like even their coach thought they lost to a different team. I, I mean, so I, I think at the end of the day, what, the way you attack the Colts is to take people who are on the other side of the ball. And I think and I think this week that manifests itself in a number of ways. But um, in terms of like just in terms of Colt players, the one guy who I would say not to panic on though is T. Y. Hilton. He got plenty of targets, air yards, all the things you would want to see from a number one wide receiver. Yeah, he had a terrible, terrible quarterback throwing him the ball, no doubt about it. But at the same time, those type of targets, that type of volume, that type of activity and opportunity does not fade lightly. And, uh, you know, at some point this year, um, Andrew Luck's going to be back, and I think there are going to be games where T.Y. Hilton is going to make you happy you you held on to him. So he is not a guy that I'm advocating that people sell, uh, even though the Colts offense is absolutely putrid and their team is probably going to lose three or four straight.
1: I have a team where I have T.Y. Hilton, and because I go 0 RB, I'm lucky enough to have depth behind him. So mm. uh, this week I actually benched him uh, in exchange for Pierre Garçon. I started Garçon instead. Uh, and it, it worked out for me this week, uh, but this coming week, maybe not so much. So this coming week, Garcon's playing Seattle, and I'm really trying to wonder if I want to put Hilton back in. Um, you know, well, kinda... you
2: saw you saw tonight's game. This is Thursday night, and you saw uh, Houston and uh, Deshaun Watson throw over half of his passes to DeAndre Hopkins. And I am – I'm here. I'm the first to say that's not a great way to win football games. But at the same time, that is an immense amount of volume. And I think that you're going to see something similar in Indianapolis. And I think people who bail on uh, T.Y. Hilton are going to regret it because he is going to get like, everything he can handle. They are going to lean on him intermediate, deep, short. Wherever they can get him the ball, they're going to try.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a good thing. And Maybe I'll put him back in my lineup this week. <laughs> All right, how about New New York, the Giants? Uh, Obviously, OBJ was out, uh, but the same thing. I mean, they were just a complete mess, completely shut out of the end zone by the Cowboys. Brandon Marshall only got one target, or four targets for one garbage time reception. Uh, You know, I kind of thought Marshall coming to the team would give Eli more, you know, more to work with. I know OBJ was out, but... uh, same same question. Do you, you think OBJ coming back magically changes things for the Giants?
2: I don't think it magically changes things, but you do need to look at who got the volume and who didn't in a game where he was out, right? So Roger Lewis actually got the, the lion's share of the volume. If you combine target share and market share of yards together, he had the highest opportunity rating, and and that's surprising that surprises surprises me at least. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at Roto we're not huge fans of Sterling Shepard, right? know, anyway, he's a slot, uh, 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 you know, a slot wide receiver extraordinaire. But he's super efficient when he gets the ball in his hand. So he had 31 air yards and he had 18 yak yards. So when he gets the ball, he's like an extended handoff. He's a lot like Jarvis Landry, and I think maybe the hate has gone too far for those type of players for us analytics types. I mean, because they, they really do help an offense move down the field. Now, in this game, specifically, without OBJ, without Brandon Marshall doing anything, four targets, one reception for, was at the end of the game? It was 10 yards. It was nonsense. Like, he was nothing the entire game. And when you have no downfield threats, Stringling Shepard, Jarvis Landry absolutely are worthless. But when you have a downfield threat, they're absolutely worthwhile, Right. They're, they're a guy that's an extended handoff that has a huge amount of value for a team. And so I am not fading Sterling Shepard. I am fading uh, Roger Lewis. But I am also fading Brandon Marshall. I think he's done. Um, this was a game where he was set up to be great if he was still good. I mean, I mean what, what are your thoughts? I mean, like, come on. This was a game where if he could get open, he was going to get the targets, right?
1: Yeah, I was expecting to see more out of out of him and and Ebron. I I, I you know, I, he was covered you know heavily, and I think that you know hopefully OBJ will draw those 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 dual coverages and leave him open more. Um, so hopefully in lighter coverage, Bannon Marshall will get more targets. But I also didn't like what I saw out of Eli. So you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a, what are we worried about Eli
2: game? exactly <laughs> though? I mean, he's kind of been the same guy for the past, I don't know, six, six, eight years. Like, so what are we expecting a huge change? Or are we just expecting him not to be worse? Cause if he's not, <laughs> if he's not worse then OBJ will be who he was. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and, and that's kind of how I look at it. And, and, and again, again, my bias and backing up, my bias is that quarterbacks are kind of like bartenders and if, if they have good weapons, and they can deliver the ball on time and on target, then they're going to have success. And it's not so much that you need a great quarterback. It's that you need a competent quarterback who can make good decisions. And I think Eli has proven through his QB wins or or through his two championships or through the fact that he's been able to support some wide receiver ones, that he can do that if he's he's got great talent around him, he can support it. So –
1: I think I came into the season hoping that with – I was hoping that, uh, you know, that I'd see great things, and that just hadn't been confirmed yet. That's all.
2: And, and, and yeah. I'm with you, too. I thought this was going to be a, a rock sock'em sock'em offense with uh, Ingram going down the seam. I'm with you 100%. We didn't see that. And it – yeah, so I, no, I'll take the L on that and you and me both. But, uh, but look, look, OBJ wasn't in there. He's probably not going to be in there for another two or three weeks, right, that high ankle sprain.
1: Yeah, so. All right, and then Cincinnati, obviously the game today. Um, you know, I knew that they, I, I, th- I kind of figured they would do a little bit better. I didn't really see them getting uh, handed an L by uh, Houston here either, so I, I don't know what to think about the Bengals.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know what to think about them other than, um, you know, there was this talk that, they shouldn't be forcing the ball to AJ Green, their best player, or perhaps they should be trying to be multiple and, um, you know, maybe mixing's a part. Look, yeah, that's all crap. They, they went to the playoffs for, I think, four straight years with Dalton. I don't know why that particular formula is bad. Like, you want to add to it, not completely change it. And so, for me, force the ball to AJ Green. I saw a couple of plays tonight where he threw it up in a triple coverage and uh, AJ Green came out with down with the ball. Like, do, do more of that, please. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and the other part of it is, is that there's this idea that Jeremy Hill's terrible and that, you know, uh, they can't be multiple with him. That may be true, but I don't think that Mixon is the answer. And I think they need to get away with him, so- get away from him sooner rather than later. Go back to Hill and Bernard. I think that's a winning combo. And uh, I think uh, they won't have these type of weeks where they're losing to, you know, really pretty bad teams like Houston. But, but what I would say before I move on, I looked at this game prior to Andy Dalton coming into it, coming off one of his worst weeks. And Phil O'Brien, for all his faults, he can put together a fucking great game. Pardon my friend. A fucking great defense. Like they are really, really good at every depth. He knows how to attack an offense with his defense. And so, I thought this was going to be a bad game for Dalton, no matter what. Um, I think that if you have some patience, I think uh, if you were a, a living the stream advocate, if you're a guy who likes to kind of you know take your quarterbacks and stream them week by week, I think Andy Dalton has some really strong, excuse me, really strong weeks ahead of him. And uh, it's just been, he's had a really couple tough matchups to start with.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, In fact, after the Ravens and Texans, they've got a nice little stretch here. They'll be uh, at the Packers and Browns, uh, Bills and Steelers, Colts. Um, They got a nice little stretch of maybe four or five weeks where uh, they should do better. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see if they can. I'm not ready to, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm a little worried. I'm concerned, but I'm not. Totally losing it until maybe the next couple weeks, maybe a couple more weeks.
3: For sure. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: All right, in Detroit, uh, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Golden Tate, Martavius Bryant. Uh, Galladay seemed to kind of be the winner week one. Uh, what do you think? Is that just a, maybe just a fluke of a game or is that a trend? Are we going to see a lot of Kenny Galladay this year?
2: He was my priority pickup in all my waiver wire leagues. Uh, I think you can't possibly not take the shot on him, right? Um, We all thought he had the skill, and he kind of proved it, right? Um, I remember going into the game, and and I was looking at Arizona's past defense, and I was looking at where they're weak, and it was deep. And so that put me on to Marvin Jones, uh, even though there were people saying that he might be shadowed by – Patrick Peterson, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea was that, well, he's their deep threat, right? And and we don't have any proven deep threat on Detroit other than Marvin Jones. So he has to be the play. Well, it turned out that, I mean, if you saw his touchdown, no, no, we have another deep threat in Detroit. And so I, I guess what I would say is that um, if you liked Marvin Jones coming into the year, then you have to like, Kenny Galladay, and uh, he's going to do the same type of things that Golden Tate simply can't do. And I think that uh, Jim Bob Cooter wants that kind of stuff to happen, right? And, and who he chooses to deploy in the deep routes and who Matthew Stafford, their new 40 or whatever million-dollar man, decides to actually target on those deep routes, you may vary from week to week. It may be Marvin Jones. It may be Kenny Galladay. Um, I think what Kenny Galladay has proven after week one is that he's a guy that has to be taken seriously. When uh, when you're when you're facing a defense that is susceptible beep, he's a guy you have to consider as a play. And so, absolutely, he's a uh, priority way over wire pickup. If you're in DFS, I think he's a guy you have to consider every week. Moving on from now
1: on. So you think now that he's maybe the number two behind Tate, you think it kind of he kind of surpasses Jones.
2: No, I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that um, you know, if they run into a situation where Patrick Peterson is shadowing Marvin Jones, they won't hesitate to put Kenny Galladay into the routes they wanted Marvin Jones to run. You you know what I'm saying? It's like, again, I mean, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but like my my whole thinking about how you uh, uh, start players according to their defensive matchups isn't to look at particular players matching up against particular players is to look at where a defense gives up yards in terms of depth of target. And for Arizona, it was between 15 and 25. That's where they're weak. And it doesn't matter who the player is. It doesn't matter how you scheme them open, whether it's slot outside, inside. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones. It's just, you just try and make the bet on who the guy will be who they choose to attack at that part where they're weak happened to be that Kenny all performed really, really well. And, and when that happens, I think you need to take notice, um, especially early in the season because it might mean that Marvin Jones no longer is going to be the guy we thought he was going to be.
1: How are you thinking about this Detroit lions team? I mean, I think now knowing that they have Galladay and maybe a legit receiver, you know, they got Am- Amir Abdullah back, um, they got a lot of weapons out there. I don't know. What do you think? I mean,
2: I was a little disappointed in, uh, the way that Amir Abdullah produced. I was happy to see that Riddick caught a touchdown, but again, it wasn't like a volume fueled touchdown. It was one of those fluke things where, you know, when you're coming into a week and you're like, I'm going to start Riddick cause of this, that, or the other. No, that, that wasn't, it wasn't that type of week. And, uh, and so I, I don't know, man. I mean, what do you think when you look at, at, at Detroit? I think right now, what I see is people were right, probably, to fade tape. Because I do think, based on this first week, that Cooter has shown the way he wants to win is not to throw underneath all the time. I think that's an important part of moving the chains, right? But I think he has shown that he wants to attack downfield, whether it's Galladay, whether it's Jones. And so if you can choose the right guy each week, who's going to be the beneficiary of those downfield targets, that's going to be far more valuable than just starting Tate each week.
1: All right. This uh, Monday, the Chargers played the Broncos. Gates only got three targets and Hunter Henry zero. Is this an Anthony Lynn thing? Are the Chargers forgotten about their tight ends or is this just a fluke? Or what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, no, and NFI, no fucking idea on this one, I, I mean, off, uh, Honestly, I think, like, uh, the way I'm kind of thinking about it right now is that I might start some Hunter Henry and some GPPs just, just because, like for the Tariq Cohen factor, like, because you just never know. And uh, he certainly has the capability of scoring touchdowns. Um, I don't know. I guess if you want to boil it down to a reasonable take, it's that we simply don't know what the tight end situation in San Diego is right now. Um, if you want to play the odds, come on, it's got to be Hunter Henry moving forward at some point, right?
1: Yeah, I, I I am very heavily invested in Hunter Henry, so maybe I'm just a little scared. Um, Denver's an outlier defense. I mean, we'll I think we'll see against Miami this week. Um, you know, kind of if it's different. Uh, you know, Wizenhunt. It, it's sort of like this battle because you've got a new head coach, but an old offensive coordinator. And I just don't know what to expect. It's a whole new team. It's in a whole new city. I don't know what's going on. So, um,
2: but I mean, absent any data, any signal this year, I mean, like he got nothing last week. I mean, I have to think if I'm betting between Gates and Henry this week, I'm kind of leaning Henry.
1: Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) <laughs> I don't own any gates, but I own Henry on, uh, on, on a lot of teams. He was a, a, a good pickup. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I didn't make a mistake. Um, all right, Samaji Pirine. What's up with Samaji Pirine? <laughs> no. Uh? no no carries, not one. Uh, wow. even, you know, Rob Kelly struggled a little bit. Uh, Thompson kind of split time with Kelly. Pirine, is, is Pirine still a thing?
2: Uh, you know, gosh, I mean, like, I don't want to come off like I know, but uh, so I talked about this with Heath and Anthony Amico uh, earlier in the off season and, and I think my take is the following. I think that Gruden puts a high, high value on running backs who simply do not fumble. And uh, P. Ryan in the preseason fumbled. And so I think he kind of lost a lot of uh, Gruden's confidence. And, and I think that last year, even though Rob Kelly is just a guy in the NFL, um, it really kind of doesn't matter from like five to 15 yards. Like uh, I think from, from Gruden's perspective, he's like, just get the yards blocked for you. Don't fumble and you're my guy. And, and so when when P. Ryan came in, it I was his huge biceps, right? He was the guy that, like, took the short yardage plays, and Mixon was, you know, was the, was the, was the guy who, who who took the passing plays. So, like, I think the way he looked at it was like, oh, he's, he's, he's exactly the kind of guy I want for my offense. I can hand him the, I mean, hand him the ball. He's going to be super uh, secure with it. Uh, you know, he's going to get me three or four yards, exactly what I need. He's a perfect backup to Fat Rob. Well, didn't turn out that way early on. In the offseason, the reason why he got rid of Matt Jones uh, had nothing to do with his potential as a, as a running back. It had to do with his fumbling. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, right now for Gruden coach teams in Washington, the key statistic is are you fumbling? Are you not? If you're not, you're the starter, and you can uh, dial them in for 12, 15 carries a game.
1: That makes more sense than anything I've heard. You know, Kareem Hunt fumbled his first carry. I don't know. It just seems like recency bias to just go off of just one fumble like that. But, uh, you know, I I think the other thing is we've been spoiled a little bit with with Ezekiel Elliott and and, and Cook and and Hunt and some of these rookies coming in and and starting right away. I mean, I think when we drafted P. Ryan, we knew that he was probably a, a week 12, week 13 kind of breakout kind of guy. We knew that he wouldn't start right away um so I mean you know maybe it's nothing to be worried about maybe he's exactly who he thought he was but uh, uh but when you see <laughs> no carries at all um certain a little scared you play this draft app Josh
2: I do I really really love it
1: I do I love it a lot you know I I, I, I like I like daily fantasy uh but I'm not really big on the salary cap stuff snake style drafting is kind of what. I grew up with, it's kind of what I'm used to. And it's kind of like have more fun. Sure. And, uh, I, I, like these, uh, I like the draft, the snake draft, you know, it's only, it's only five players, five rounds. I mean, there's different formats obviously, but, uh, but you, you can do get it, it
2: done so quick on draft. Yeah. It's so, it's so much it's so fun. Awesome.
1: Just yeah. takes a couple of minutes. And, you know, I, I find myself doing it all the time. I'm in a, a couple of the, uh, you know, they've got the, um, the multi-tiered head to head kind of, uh, mm. uh, like bracket, uh, tournaments. And uh, that's a lot of fun, too, because I think I'm in one that's like seven weeks long, and uh, it kind of goes through the the season. Um, My brother-in-law called me up this year. Uh, It was Labor Day, last minute, and he told me that his home league disbanded, and he was trying to put a league together kind of last minute, uh, you know. And I said, well, why don't we just do draft? And what's cool about draft is you can do all kinds of custom things. You can set up your own uh, leagues and your own challenges and your own bets. It's very customizable like that. Uh, so we've been having a lot of fun kind of doing that um, draft just last just one week. There's no management. I don't have to worry about injuries or anything like that. Um, the app starts the best players. It's sort of like a, like a best ball type format. If you do a, a, a multi a week, you could set it up that way. Yeah. It's um, like
2: this amazing amalgamation of best ball and daily. It's so cool.
1: It really is. It's like the next kind of level. Uh, I really like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I and I really like the best ball format where I, you know I really like not having to set my lineup and and worry about that because uh, I hate getting points on the bench uh, and so I really like that that aspect of it. Uh, there's also games like we talked about with just uh, in the in the lobby you can kind of join. They're, there's they're, they're drafting all the time every minute. There's a draft. Uh, it only takes a couple minutes to do a, a quick one. Uh, you can get real action. There's some some high limit games. Uh, there's games for just a dollar. There's games where you can challenge head-to-head so it's just one-on-one and it's it's a lot of fun also if you don't have a a smartphone you can do it on your computer you can go to playdraft.com they're running a promotion right now for limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit Uh, what you have to do is when you sign up and you make your deposit enter the promo code rv radio so if you type in rv radio you get to play a free real money game Uh, just use the promo code rv radio when you deposit on draft uh, just search Draft, D-R-A-F-T in the app store or go to playdraft.com on the website. And remember to use promo code RV Radio. I'm just being real. It's a lot of fun, man. I love playing Draft. All right, so let's do what we came to do. This is called the Mailbag Podcast. Let's reach into the big mailbag. Let's pull out some questions. Uh, this one, uh, I got a kick out of this one. This is our first question. Uh, it came from a listener named Rob Grant. He's called the Keen Kiwi <laughs> from New Zealand. <laughs> And uh, last week on the show, Jeremy Hart was chatting, and he mentioned a horrible cult classic horror film, *Dead Alive*. Have you seen that movie, Josh?
2: I've seen it, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, they were talking about this movie. Uh, Rob wrote in to tell us that 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 movie was actually Peter Jackson's first professionally mm. made film. So he had a couple kind of homemade films before that, but that was his first uh, real, you know, real legit film. And so uh, it played a part in bringing us the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and some of those. So uh, anyways, thanks, Rob. That was some good information. Um, anyways, Rob had a question, and he was wondering if he wanted to – he's interested in trading away Kareem Hunt. He's yeah. in a 14-team standard league. He has LeSean McCoy, Leonard Fournette, Ty Montgomery, and Kareem Hunt. And then at wide receiver, he's got Terrell Pryor, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Theline, and Devin Funches. So – He's thinking that he can trade Hunt and land you know, an upgrade at wide receiver. And he's wondering, who does he think he can get?
2: Yeah, I think if you're going to trade Kareem Hunt right now, you can't settle for anyone less than someone like Amari Cooper. And uh, coming into the season, Amari Cooper was something like a, uh, a wide receiver 10 through 14, depending on who you talk to and what draft you were in. Um, and so what I would say is that right now, Kareem Hunt is far and away, right? The RB, at least RB5 moving forward. And and so that's how you should value him. And so what I would say is you should at least get Amari Cooper plus. And if you can't, then don't do it. Because I think that uh, Hunt isn't going anywhere, man. That, that's, a, that's a really decent running back on a really good squad. Well, not really good. A, 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 a solid team who has a history of treating their uh, top running back well. So don't, don't sell for peanuts. Hang on to them if you need to. Or with the wide receivers you mentioned are not world beaters, but I think you probably have a team that can hang in there until someone wants to give you an offer that's more than reasonable.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think that's good uh, good advice there. Uh, all right, so one more question. Um, this one's – I got a couple of people. People that back maybe drafted a couple weeks ago, They they thought that Zeke was going to have a six-game suspension, and maybe they went out and drafted Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris. I know there's still some muddy waters about what's going on with Zeke, but is it safe to drop McFadden and Morris?
2: What do you think? I think, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think given the fact that there's a lot of these upside guys, uh, it, you know, I, I was never really sold on the idea that McFadden was going to come in and be an explosive week winner anyways. So, uh, you know, like, if yeah, I dropped like Barry McFadden for, for Tariq Cohen or something, I'd much rather have that.
2: Or like Devonta or uh, Donta uh, Foreman exactly. after this week, right? Like, I mean, like if you didn't pick him up this week, he has to be a priority for sure. uh, this next week. And so like, like for instance, like let's say that this past week you didn't drop David Johnson cause you were just hoping beyond hope. And no, look, this is me uh, hoping beyond hope that maybe you might get some better news than Christmas. Right. <laughs> um, uh, th- I think this is the week where you, if you're in a, a more shallow league with maybe not so competitive, uh, competitive uh, owners that, you know, maybe Foreman's still on the waiver wire. That this is the week where you drop DJ for uh, a Foreman. That that that's the type of move I would make this week. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's uh, it's a it's bad news all around.
1: I uh, Josh, with uh, with all this uh craziness going on, I think I might ride some of this recency biases and take some contrarian bets this week. Uh, you know, when I bit when I when I wager, I always use mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years. The rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonus, so the second you put money in, they match it dollar for dollar, and you get money for nothing. If you like fast payouts, they pay out the fastest. Seriously, just two business days. And if you listen to the show, that already gives you an edge. Lay down some cash and win big. So that's why I urge you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. It's kind of an important consideration, if we're being honest. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Now, here's the thing. When you sign up, use promo code ROTOMAILBAG to activate the offer. So visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And then we're doing a promotion here at RotoViz Radio. You you heard about this, right, Josh, about the, uh, the hoodie?
3: Oh, yeah, it's, it's money. It's everyone's
1: money. excited about the jacket. So, we are giving away a special edition RotoViz athletic jacket. They're so cool. I want one really bad. They're not even for sale. The only way to get one is to win one. So, here's what you have to do if you want to win a RotoViz jacket and be the coolest guy in your league create an account with mybookie.ag and make a deposit and get the matching deposit. And use promo code RotoMailbag, R-O-T-O-M-A-I-L-B-A-G. And that's just free money, anyways. And then what you have to do is you'll get a confirmation email. Forward that confirmation email to me at rotovizradio at gmail.com. And if you do that, you'll be entered into a drawing for a really awesome Rotoviz jacket. Alright, so back to the mailbag. Uh, Tariq Cohen. Cohen got 12 targets week one. Cam Meredith is out for the year. Does Cohen fill that role? Do we uh you know, the Bears have always been a team that have had like a Matt Forte or a Jordan Howard kind of rolling with one running back. Uh, is that gonna happen or are they gonna kind of change that up and kind of split time with Howard and Cohen going forward? Well,
2: I mean I mean sure, right? So like if you like Chris Thompson, you should like Drake Cohen. And I think it's uh I think it's actually he's like Chris Thompson minus. Uh, because you have a, 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 an offense that is not going to be in positive game scripts um, with, uh, you know, maybe he has a better running back in front of him uh, in, in terms of you want to compare Jordan Howard to Rob Kelly. But at the same time, I don't think you're going to run into many situations where he's getting as many targets as CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey, on, um, on, a, on the Carolina Panthers. So, I mean, like, Tariq Cohn is a fine pickup but you need to know what you're getting. You're getting a pass catching running back who at most is going to get five or six targets on his best game, which translates to at best 14, 15 points. And that's, you know, and that's maybe if he scores a touchdown. So, um, you know, he's fine. He's a fine pickup, but I've been advocating folks that, uh, that I do consulting with or, or or any of my teams, uh, that, uh, far more, uh, you know kind of high upside pickup would be someone like uh, um, uh, Buck Allen over there on the uh, Baltimore Ravens and only because uh, West is not a he's not a great back either and uh, and Buck Allen got twenty two touches already, and so uh, we can say with pretty good certainty that he's going to be a part of the offense whereas we can't say that with very good certainty with uh Cohen.
1: All right, so on the root of his message board forums, uh, user JollyG804 asks if Marlon Mack is worth a stash. Uh, The Colts were terrible last week. Uh, Mack did get some playing time. He split time with Gore, 10 carries apiece. Um, He was half as efficient as Gore. He got 2.4 yards per carry versus guards, 4.2. Mack did get a touchdown on a three-yard punch deep into garbage time. If you've got a, an empty bench spot and no one to fill it, is Mackworth a stash?
2: Hell yes, hell yes. I mean, uh, he's one of those zero RB guys, along with earlier in the season, uh, Kamara, Hunt, um, I mean, uh, Fre- uh, Foreman. There was the, there was a series of guys that you could be had uh, around round eighteen and further that. Uh, you know, road of his types like us we're advocating for. And, and so at this point, if you have a chance to grab them and it depends on who you give up, right. And it depends on the, uh, uh how, how your team is constituted. But, but, but I think in, in most situations, he is worth giving up, say your Zay Jones or your, gosh, who else might you have at this point that might be worth dropping? Um, I don't know, your second tight end. I mean, I, th- those are the type of plays that I think can really help you win your league.
1: Yeah, I guess my only concern is just with just the Colts in general. I mean, you know, if, if the if the Colts offensive line can't get it together, I, I mean, I think Marlon Matt can break out. I think Gore will eventually lose the job. I think that'll probably happen sometime this year, but um, I just don't know if,
2: well, if and, even an RB1 imagine...
1: on this team is...
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but like, I mean, and you're right, but I just, just imagine they're terrible for the next three or four weeks. Why wouldn't they roll Mac out there? Why would they throw gore to the wolves in a, in a season where nothing is working? Like, I, I just think that in terms of all the arrows that you might want on a waiver wire pickup, uh, Macs are pointing up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, so it's kind of a tradition on the show. We play our game Fuck, Mary, Kill. Let's do all of the rookie breakouts this week. So we've got Dalvin Cook, Tariq Cohen, and Kareem Hunt. Of those three guys, which one do you fuck? Which one do you marry? Which one do you kill?
2: Oh yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Hunt. Uh, no 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 no. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck uh, Cook, marry Hunt, and kill Kamar. And, and the reason for that is that I still think Ingram's has some juice left in him. I think that Ingram, especially this week it, and, and this is kind of going back to DFS and other things and, and maybe if you have him and he's an, uh, a guy you're considering starting I, I think he's a guy this week that is probably going to get more run than people think and, and the reason why I say that is um, he, he he lets that offense be multiple. I mean well, the last game if you watched what happened when Kamar was on the field you might want to say well no one was running inside and all the rest but like they tried to run Kamara inside. It was just a shit show. He, he, he ran one yard, got tackled. He didn't show anything. Like, yes, it was hard. Yes, the offensive line was not great. But Kamara showed nothing. And so there's no chance moving forward that when you trot out Kamara, that the defense is going to be scared of the run game. And so because of that, I think that Ingram is going to get more snaps. And uh, and because of that, I like him because I think volume is important in fantasy football. Um, um, so 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 and because of all everything I just described, I'm fading Kamara. On the other on the other end, uh, both uh, Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt are going to get all the volume they can possibly handle. It might even be the case that Cook's in a better situation with Bradford throwing just absolute dimes. Um, and he's got two amazing receivers uh, and a great tight end. I mean, it, it might be the case that that, that that Cooks cooks a better play this year, uh, but uh, in terms of in terms of guys, I like I I, I really like Hunt. So I would go uh, Mary Hunt, uh, fuck Cook, and kill Kamaro. All right, sounds
1: good. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I think that makes sense. All right, so. For this week, uh, I got a lot of kind of, you know, start-sit questions, but I thought maybe we can kind of go really quickly uh, just through each of these games. Uh, let's skip the Texans-Cincinnati since it's over. Uh,
2: no, that made but, me sound uh, really smart for the first time.
1: Yeah, what would you think? <laughs> what did you think about AG- – well, we talked about that a little bit, yeah. All right, so um, Philadelphia Eagles at Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, what about some of the some of the bubble guys, uh, Aguilar, Jeffrey – Blunt, Sproles. Which of those guys do you think are maybe starts, sits? Yeah,
2: that's so hard. There was air yards all over the field in that game. I, I guess I just kind of think this game's going to go over, and you can't go wrong targeting anyone here. If you drafted any of those guys, start them. That would be my advice. All
1: right, so those guys are all starts. Aguilar, Jeffrey, Blunt, and Sproles.
2: Well, not uh, Sprouls. not Sproles. But, not but Sprouls, all, not all, all, all the wide receivers for sure. Uh yeah, Sproles will be the one guy I would say. Go somewhere else.
1: All right. How about Alex Smith? Is he another start? You think he repeats, or is he not worth starting?
2: Uh, again, it depends on who you have uh, potentially to start opposite him or instead of him. But, yeah, I think he's he's another solid start this week. Um, but I actually think, you know, there's probably Carson Palmer on the waiver wire you could stream in, and I think he might actually be a better play this week.
1: All right, so Palmer at Indianapolis. Obviously, Indianapolis defense was terrible. Uh, Mm. Luck is out again. Uh, Birds are without DJ. Uh, What do you think about any of the Arizona running backs, Kerwin Williams, Andre Johnson, CJ? I don't.
2: I don't. I I do think Larry, though. Fitzgerald should be amazing this week. For
1: sure, yeah. I think Fitzgerald is definitely a start.
2: But Um, in terms of the running backs, I mean, who knows? Uh, Ellington, maybe – Johnson, if you're just throwing a hail mary, but I, I I don't I don't see why you're in that position in the second week of the season.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Vikings at Steelers. Uh, Bradford's coming off a big game. Big Ben's finally at home. Um, obviously, Bell and uh, Ben and Brown are all starters. Uh, what about Martavius Bryant?
2: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he didn't even start the last game, um, but. My air yards model shows him as a by low and uh, history has shown that, you know, you throw him even two or three deep balls. He's a guy that will catch him and uh, he creates separation and he can put up a big game. Uh, I just don't trust him. So, you know, all that, all all the data aside, uh, I would just recommend, no, I want to see him show it and then I'll be on Davis.
1: Sounds fair. How about Adam Thielen?
2: Absolutely. He's cheap in uh, GPPs. He's uh, cheap in cash. Uh, I like him actually over uh, Stefan Diggs this week. Diggs got a lot of touchdowns last week, which I think he's going to get a ton of those because he he deserves them. He's that kind of player. But Phelan had more yards, more efficiency, more targets. And I think out of the slot, uh, people are going to fade him and think he's going to be a low ADOC guy. That's just not true. He's going to be attacking the middle deep of the field every week, which means those are high value targets. God, I love feeling go go go, <laughs> go, 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 go.
1: All right. So. All right uh, the bears are at Tampa Bay. Let's talk about Buccaneer running backs. You starting Rodgers or Sims against the bears.
2: I love Jaquiz. I mean, he's put up tons of points in the past few games. He started and, uh, You know, he's a guy that uh, all the sharps are on. I mean, I don't think you're going to get huge value on him because uh, there are going to be so many sharps on him this week. Um, You'll still get better value than the field. But, um, yeah, Jaquis is a guy I'm on. I'll just leave it at that. He's going to be great. Um, In the past, I think, six games he's put up almost 20 points on average. I mean, he's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I think in redraft, if he's on your team, this is what you got him for. So you're going to start him because you only got a few games to start him right before. Yeah. And and maybe we could talk about whether you keep him uh, once, uh, uh, you know, later on in the season or not. But uh, you definitely want to start him this week against a weak Bears defense. All right. The Bills are at the Panthers. Obviously, you're playing McCoy, Olsen, Cam, McCaffrey. Uh, How about Mike Tolbert? Is he he back?
2: No, you don't play (laughs) him.
1: John Stewart? Um,
2: yeah, I think you play Stu. I don't think you play CMC this week. Um, and I'm and you know maybe I'm absolutely wrong, but I think they forced him the ball last week against a really weak defense and he underperformed. And I don't think they do that this week. I think they go back to what works, which is run the ball first and second ground, first and second down and then throw it to Kelvin Benjamin on third. And uh, I, I think you're going to see that more often than not. And obviously, you know, every every drive is different. And obviously, everything's different. But I'm just saying, like, that is how they want to move the ball, right? And uh, that is the way this offense works. And everyone wants to say that, oh, it's changed because they have these short area quickness guys. But I don't know if you watched the game last week, but, like, it wasn't just that Cam was bad on the deep throws. I mean, he he was bad everywhere. He's always been bad on the short throws, and he exemplified it once again in this game. So I think I think they go back to what works. I think they are worried about getting wins, and I don't think they're worried about being cute.
1: Niners at Seahawks. Uh, this has been a, a bit of a rivalry. I don't know. You know, I know the Niners have been terrible, but uh, um, Hyde's definitely a start. Uh, what do you think about Garcon against the running backs? Uh, I mean, against against the Hawks.
2: I like Garcon in general. Um, I, I I saw on Roto World that uh, a cornerback on Seattle is hurt. Um, you know, I, and, and again, and, and and I know that sounds vague. I'm like I'm calling him the cornerback, but that's the way I think of uh, defenses. I think of them as units, and I think what they do is they compensate for wounded parts and at the end of the day the uh, Seattle Seahawks are are a week deep and so I don't think that uh, Garcon is going to be the guy that's going to win the game for the Niners if they do indeed win I think it's going to be a guy like Goodwin he's a guy I own uh quite a bit in my GPPs he uh, had six targets this past week I think he'll see a similar amount of volume I think he will have uh I think he will catch the ball this time. I don't know if you watched <laughs> the game, but he dropped the ball. And, and so anyway, I, I think uh, you know, he's got a decent quarterback. He's got a de- decent scheme. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think the 49ers win. I think that, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the Seahawks, I think that the guys to own are going to be Russell Wilson and Graham. I, I think uh, the one thing that Shanahan's shown he's pretty good at is taking away the number one guy on a team or at least limiting him, and that is definitely going to be Dougie Fresh, and I think that's going to leave Jimmy Graham against a depleted, just terrible linebacking core on San Francisco, and he should have a game, and I think that uh, Rush should also have a game, even though he has a terrible offensive line. Um, um, I think this is a game where you can start him with 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 confidence. I think you can probably even... Uh, um, play him in some GPPs uh, with confidence because I think he's going to get some rushing yards. Um, but my big play is Graham.
1: Might be an interesting stack there. Then you got uh, um, Goodwin, Graham, Russ.
2: Yeah, I think I think if you were to go nuts and say that you had Russ, Graham, Goodwin, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if that was like a a great lineup at the end of the week. You know what I mean? I, I, I could see Goodwin getting like, you know, 18, 19 points. Um, I could see Russ two or three touchdowns and, and two of those being to Graham um, and then having rushing yards. And then you're just like, did you did you pick the right ancillary pieces to win the tournament? Um, so that's kind of how I've been thinking about uh, the whole situation with San Francisco, because they are really really bad on defense with the loss of foster
1: all right i'll finish it with one more question odo beckham jr was out last week with his high ankle sprain i know it's a little early we don't know you know how he's you know injury is going to be but this is a monday night game so we're going to have to make a decision on sunday are you holding out on obj or are you making plans to maybe not have him this week what, what do you think is the play here
2: yeah, I think the play is not to count on him. Um, I think he came out and said that it's a four to six week injury, and he's around three or four weeks into it. Um, and I think he's he's telegraphing pretty well what's going on. I mean, you,
1: you think he won't play this week, probably.
2: I think if he does, it'll be pure decoy. Um, yeah. And uh, and no, I don't think he will. Um, and and so. Yeah, I mean, like just start, just start planning accordingly. I don't, I, like, it's the first two weeks. Um, I've won a lot of leagues uh, going 0 2. It's tough, but if you evaluate your roster and and you realize that it's because of you know variance, bad luck, um, you have good players, um, you make a few trades, get things going. Um, you know, uh, sitting Odell right now is actually can be a blessing. You know, people start to not take you. Uh, as seriously and then you can you know become a an absolute wildfire uh, later on in the season and uh, obj can be that for you so um yeah i mean like when he comes back i think he's going to be 100 uh, percent but until then i would just sit him and uh, make other
1: plans i'm lucky enough uh in one league i have him but then i have golden tate you know the same thing if you have galladay that gives you kind of an out you know yep. but even those guys might be better plays than OVJ anyways then depending on the injury alright well I'm sorry but it looks like that's all the time we have for today thank you very much Josh I really appreciate you spending some time with us today I want to remind everybody that there's a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass by going to rotovis.com slash radio and clicking the link I also want to ask everyone if you're listening uh, please uh, rate and review the show on iTunes it really helps us out a lot and if you have any questions that you'd like to hear next week, your host, uh, Jeremy, will be back next week. Please send those questions to us by email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at rotavizradio or hashtag RV mailbag. I'm Jeff Matson. I'm on Twitter at Jeff MatsonRV. Thank you very much and good luck in week two.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
3: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns—legends whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.